This episode is presented by Away Travel. Quite simply, Away makes everything you need for a trip away. Away started with the perfect suitcase, then built from there, creating a range of travel standards developed from the travel stories of friends and seatmates. The pieces aren't smart, they're thoughtful, with features that solve real travel problems. To give the whole world access to better travel standards, Away took the direct-to-consumer approach to lower prices and the quality is guaranteed. Your Away suitcase will be with you for life. We are teaming up with Away and Podgo to give you the best deal on premium luggage by going to podgo.co slash away. That's P-O-D-G-O dot C-O slash A-W-A-Y. Away Travel, here to make your journey seamless. Welcome to Yield Crime, where we discuss the funny, strange, and obscure crimes of yesteryear. I'm your host, Lindsay Valenti, and with me is my sister and co-host, Maddie Stengel. Hello. Hello. Happy Daylight Savings. Yeah. It's really bad. (laughs) Yeah, happy I hate everything. Yeah. I hate this time of year. The worst Sunday ever. I hate it so much. If, If we're not falling back, I don't want it. Exactly. I'd rather fall back forever, so it's kind of like like the poor man's time machine. I'd rather just go back forever. Yeah, everybody's like, it doesn't make sense anymore. It's dark all the time. It's like sucking up buttercup. You get an hour of sleep. Yep. Why does it matter? (laughs) So I realized something, which I should have realized much, much sooner. Uh Uh-oh. But it's Women's History Month. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't know that? No, I did, but I, like, forgot, and I never really, like, acknowledged it, like, on the show. But I kind of realized we have been talking about a lot of women's history, Mm -hmm. because... All women are witches? Yeah, all women are witches. And on the one hand, even though it's kind of horrible, because women are witches, it's still, you know, good that we're talking about them, so... This is a piece of history we need to know about and acknowledge... Well, and especially with like the Bardo witch trials, I've been getting a lot of comments on Twitter that people had never heard of it before. Right. So it's really good that we are sharing stories like that. These are women that experienced awful things that are remembered. Pretty intense atrocities. Yeah. But not to play devil's advocate, but I'm playing devil's advocate. Would you want to live during that time? Yeah, fuck no. Nope. Or just like drown once. <laughs> that sounds really <laughs> awful. I'm sorry. So this week's topic for Wicked Mock Madness is Goody Garlic. So we're going to be focusing on actually one person this week. I forgot to tell you. What? Because I'm a terrible person. What? We're related to like one of the super famous witches of the Salem Witch Trials. Mom found out. Oh, yeah. Do you yeah. remember which one? We're related to Goody Bassett, Thomas Bassett, her husband. Okay. So information was pulled from the following sources. A 2018 Newsday article by George Dwayne, 2015 Sag Harbor Express article by Annette Hinkle, 2013 27 East article by Shea Weaver, 2012 Smithsonian Magazine article, 2012 Dance Papers article by Dan Ratner, mm-hmm. 2005 New York Archives article by George Dwayne. Hey, it's the same guy. 
<laughs> I just I just realized that. <laughs> hey guy. Hey guy. Thanks for the information. You're getting double play. Findagrave.com, notable women ancestors page dedicated to Elizabeth Blanchard Garlic and Wikitree.com. Wikitree. Yeah. It's a Wikipedia about family trees. It's kind of cool. I'll accept it. Are they also asking for donations? I didn't see a donation button. Weird. But if they are, you should probably donate to them if you like ancestry. Which who doesn't like to hear about like their weird uncle from like six generations ago? And links to all of these articles will be included in the show notes. Elizabeth Blanchard Garlic was in her 50s in February of 1657-1658 and living in the isolated village of East Hampton, which centuries later would be known as East Hampton, Long Island, which is a very popular place in New York, yes. So she was she was a Long Islander before Long Island. Yeah, East Hampton is where like a lot of the rich mucky the mucks. The Hamptons, yep. Yeah. So she was one of the OG Hamptonites before it became... Before it was nice. (laughs) Before it was the place to go. Yeah. It was trash when it was her. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) This is a cold, desolate, isolated island. Awesome. I live there. So she lived in East Hampton, Long Island in her 50s when she was accused of being a witch. Awesome. It didn't help her case that she was known for being crotchety, a bit cruel, (laughs) and worst of all, sarcastic oh no she was a human being right (laughs) that didn't like being (laughs) on a cold island yep so the reason the year is listed as both 1657 and 1658 is because at that time the british and in turn the first settlers of new england were still using the julian calendar up until 1752 and when you're using the julian calendar the new year didn't take place until march 25th So at the time that Elizabeth Garlic was arrested, it was February of 1657, and her trial wouldn't start until three months later, which would then be 1658. So fun fact, if you see a date written pre-1752 with the initials OS after it, and it lists two different years, that means the date is considered in the old style and still adheres to the Julian calendar. Old style OS. Yep. Yep. The Julian calendar. I've never heard of that, actually. Yeah. So I thought that was a bit of like... Did you know about that before you did that research? I knew there was a Julian calendar, but I didn't really understand what the difference between the Julian calendar and the Gregorian calendar that we use now was. So that was kind of an interesting bit of... Other than the fact that it was two rival men. So uh, at this time in East Hampton, the village was only a decade old and consisted of 34 families and a Presbyterian church. The families were a mishmash that had come together and built homes on either side of Main Street. And so it sounds like Main Street was two streets that had like a a communal area in between where people would kind of hang out. So kind of like a market area almost? Yeah, kind of like a, a park. Pavilion? Yeah. So on one side of the street, people would build their homes. And on the other side of the street, people would build their homes. But the homes were all facing each other. They were all facing the streets and whatever the like plaza, square, whatever you want to call it was in between. Okay. And as was common in small towns and is still common today, rumors ran rampant. Especially in the Hamptons. In the Hamptons. So knowing what we know about how the witch trial started, it wasn't really surprising that Goodwife Garlic was targeted. 
So the terms good wife and goody are an old English way of saying Mrs. that implies the woman in question is married, but not of high rank, but also not lower class. So middle class. Yes. So like a middle class wife would be known as good wife or goody. And conversely, a good man would also be considered a middle class husband. Okay. I know you asked that like a couple weeks ago and I didn't know the exact answer, but now I do. Yeah. So consider that a cubby from two weeks ago, a correction. Get that out of that cubby. So good wife or goody garlic was married to Joshua Garlic, a farmer who had previously worked for the most prominent member and founder of the East Hampton community, Lion Gardner. Goody Garlic and Joshua had traveled to America with Gardner, and their first settlement was the Isle of Wight, which would later go on to be named Gardner's Island. Joshua was employed by Gardner around 1652, and his children were around the same age as Mr. Gardner's. Joshua and Elizabeth had two children together, Remember, who was born around 1640, and Joshua Jr., who was born around 1642. Oh, her name was Remember? Her name was Remember. Oh. Very Puritan. That's a bummer of a name. Yeah. Hey, remember. <laughs> remember? Do you remember? What? <laughs> what? Not you. I'm recollecting. No, I was... Yeah, right. <laughs> you have to be careful with your words. You know Stop saying? interjecting yourself in every conversation. Not everything's about you. Remember? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> So at the time that Joshua worked at Gardner's Island, his children were around 12 and 10, respectively. Before I dive into the tale, I want to set the stage a little so you understand why their family may have been targeted. It may not surprise you to hear that it was most likely jealousy and good old-fashioned xenophobia. Yeah, it kind of sounds like that, especially if like they were in good favor of the person who created the town. That would create a lot of resentment, especially if they're living on the same nice island too and like their kids are friends with the guy who like settled everything yeah it's yeah i can see how that would be a thing especially if they were only middle class as well doesn't matter if they were like technically servants at all with them or like worked for them just the fact that they're that close yeah would be a threat yeah so he farmed on gardener's property so he worked for him for a little while Yeah, and even if his low stature, it wouldn't mean anything because he was there. Yep. At some point, most likely after he worked for Gardner, Joshua Garlic worked as a miller and carpenter, and he owned his own mill, and he actually aided in the building of the Presbyterian church that was in town. Doesn't matter how good you are. Yep. Yeah. And at this point in history, even though millers were needed, most Mm -hmm. people viewed them as suspicious and shady characters. Their whole job was to grind grain or corn that was brought to them, and people were always unsure if the amount they got back was actually the same as what they brought in. Yeah. I mean, I can see that to a point. Yeah. I think it would be hard to regulate. And also, people have a, have a hard time understanding that if you grind something, it comes back smaller. Yeah. And less. Yeah. Well, and the millers would claim a small portion of what they ground as part of their payment. Mm -hmm. And since he owned a mill with a large walk-in piece of equipment, the people in town believed that he would take more than his fair share of whatever was ground. And he might have. I mean, who knows? And there was the fact that he also happened to own about 100 acres of land. (sighs) Yeah. So they probably just saw him as a super selfish farmer. Yep. And in the case of Elizabeth, or Goody Garlic, 
Her maiden name was Blanchard, which the Puritans sounded a little too French. So they speculated that she could be a Huguenot, which is a French Protestant. Oh, no. Yep. Or a Walloon, which is someone from southeastern Belgium who spoke French. I mean, that sounds really cute, but it's probably derogatory, right? It's super derogatory. Sorry. But it sounds cute, little Walloon. Yep. (laughs) But, okay, I won't say it. Yep. And it also didn't help her case that she had a vast amount of knowledge on herbs and medicine. Uh There we go. Yep, which could be seen as threatening considering she was an older woman who likely had French roots along with Joshua, who also, they believe, had some sort of French roots. You know what's crazy to me is it makes a lot of sense that there would be some sort of prejudice against the French during this time, but I never think about that. Mm-hmm. Like I, when I think of like old school people being oppressed or like racially profiled it's usually the italian or Mm -hmm. irish groups and Mm -hmm. i never think of the french but i suppose during that time when england was constantly at war with them for whatever reason Mm -hmm. or like just at odds and i never i never thought of that it's like Mm -hmm. they were gross yep apparently so to recap, her husband was a greedy shyster, and she was a dirty French Protestant. Yeah, and they both did witchcraft because they wanted to help the community and heal sick people. Yep. yep. Allegedly. The tale of Goody Garlic and the allegations placed against her came from Elizabeth Howell, who was married to Arthur Howell and also happened to be the daughter of Lion Gardner, her husband's former employer. Okay, Records show that on a Friday in early February 1657, 16-year-old Elizabeth Howell developed a fever and quickly became delirious after nursing her infant daughter, an infant daughter that Goody Garlic had helped deliver. Okay, I see where this is going. Yep. She started to rave that a, quote, black thing was at the bed's feet, and she was quoted as crying, quote, a witch, a witch, now you are come to torture me because I spoke two or three words against you. In the morning, you will come fawning, end quote. And on Saturday, Elizabeth's mother, Mary, who had also been feeling poorly, left her home to care for her sick daughter, and they actually lived across the street from one another. And upon arriving at her daughter's bedside, Mary quoted her as saying, quote, Oh, mother, mother, I am bewitched. Goody garlic in the further corner and a black thing at the hither corner, both at the feet of the bed, end quote. I wonder why she, yeah, I wonder why she just immediately picked her. I don't know. Howell's neighbor, Goody Simmons, was staying at the Howell home during the time of Elizabeth's illness. And the night before she died, Elizabeth said to her, quote, Goody Garlic is a double-tongued woman. Did you not see her last night stand by the bedside ready to pull me in pieces? And she pricked me with pins, end quote. Postpartum was a bitch back then, right? Yeah. Damn. Goody Simmons also testified that Elizabeth had once gotten cross with Joshua Garlic for being short with her after she went to the garlic farm looking for her husband, Arthur, who had been there threshing which for people that don't know what threshing is, it's when you separate the grain from a plant to prepare it for grinding. Really a fun job, good exercise. Yep. Totally not terrible. It is (laughs) the most fun thing you can do on a farm ever. Ah, so good. What is that that thing you do with corn? They have kids do Detasseling. Detasseling. What a fun summer job for middle schoolers and high schoolers. Yep. Looking to earn a handful of cash. 
You get to ride in the back of a like tractor and have heat exhaustion every day for an entire like what two three weeks. Yep, so much fun. Oh man, Iowa folks. <laughs> and in fact, the night before she died, Goody Edwards, a neighbor to the Howells, was present when Elizabeth had a coughing fit that caused her to gag and start choking. Using a knife handle to check for obstructions, Goody Edwards gave Elizabeth a mixture of oil and sugar which was said to be a remedy against witchcraft. And that was a really common thing they would use back then. Oil and sugar. Okay. Yep. I wonder why. Maybe it caused you to throw up. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. And according to Goody Edwards, shortly after Elizabeth drank the mixture, she coughed and a metal pin fell from her mouth. Well, that's not terrifying. No. Like whether she did that herself or not. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Additionally, men who were sitting watch at her bedside stated that they heard rumblings from the fireplace with no real cause for the sound. Rumblings that sounded like, quote, a great rock thrown down that found no place to rest, end quote. So like some sort of popping noise, essentially, that was not common. Yeah, or just sound like a, a rocks continuous thrown. stream of rocks being thrown down the chimney. That would be unsettling, especially if like, You have fires every night, so you would know what, like, a normal fire sounded like. Yep. So that Sunday evening, after coughing, sobbing, and sinking even deeper into her psychosis, Elizabeth was dead, and Goody Garlic was fingered as the cause. And this would be a big deal because she was the daughter of the founder of the town. Correct. And she was only 16, right? She was only 16, yeah. Jeez. Well... I mean, they married young men. They, I know. You were like 14, 15. You were married off. and I wonder if she had blood clots. We'll go into it later. Okay. Over the span of three weeks, starting on February 19th, just a week after Elizabeth's death, local magistrates John Mulford, John Hand, and Thomas Baker held hearings and recorded the statements of 13 witnesses. So would, you, would it be safe to assume at this point that um, Goody Garlic an idea that this stuff was happening or what do you think this was kind of all in secret to like get her she was aware because she was arrested like, like almost immediately? like like immediately so she would have okay. been in a jail cell at this point while these depositions were taking place and these tes- these testimonies were being recorded okay a bulk of the depositions held hearsay testimony from a woman named goody davis who never offered testimony and was not called in to be questioned According to many of the witnesses, Goody Davis claimed that Goody Garlic had caused the death of her own child. In fact, after sifting through the evidence and testimonies that were provided, it became quickly apparent that Goody Davis was the chief accuser of Goody Garlic, blaming her for a variety of personal hardships and unexplained events that plagued the town of East Hampton. Yeah. Yeah. So, personal vendetta. Yeah, she was <laughs> She was a modern-day Karen. Yeah. Yeah. Goody Birdsall, for example, claimed that Goody Davis told her that, quote, Goody Garlic said the child is not well for it groaneth, and Goody Davis said her heart did rise, and Goody Davis said when she took the child from Goody Garlic, she said she saw death in the face of it, and her child sickened presently upon it, and lay five days and five nights, and never opened the eyes, nor cried till it died, end quote. So that was Goody Davis talking about her own child that passed after Goody Garlic had checked delivered her or or checked on it. Yeah. A woman named Goody Simon stated that during one of Elizabeth's fits, some of her friends came calling with some dockweed that Goody Garlic had provided them to heal Elizabeth. Goody Simon, believing it was more tools for witchcraft, threw the herbs in the fire. 
It was not long after this that Elizabeth claimed to see a, quote, strange black thing in her home, after which she asked, quote, who has a black cat? Another woman mm. answered, Goody Garlic, claiming that it was her familiar there to do her bidding. Yep. How dare you have a pet? Yep. A man by the name of Richard Stratton noted that Goody Davis had confided in him that she believed her child had been, quote, bewitched, and she said she did not know of anyone on the island that could do it unless it were Goody Garlic, end quote. Thomas Talmadge, who was the secretary during the hearing, also testified to the judges about an encounter he had at the home of Goody Davis in which, quote, she was there speaking to me about some accidents that had fallen out among them at the island as concerning the death of her child, in what manner it was taken away, and of an ox that had his leg broke, and having reference in her speech concerning Goody Garlic as if she were a witch, end quote. Mm. Additionally, claims emerged of black cats appearing at odd times, strange happenings on Gardner's Island, and children getting sick and dying for no apparent reason. I mean, yeah. there were a lot of reasons back then. Yeah. There were also claims of a child that was, quote, taken away in a strange manner, end quote, an ox with a broken leg, a man who turned up dead, and the death of a fat and lusty sow and her piglets soon after she gave birth to them. A lusty sow. Yeah, I don't They're really know what that pigs? means. Yeah, so apparently um, after this pig... There's a pig in heat. Yeah, after this I mean, pig gave birth, is. she and her piglets all died. Mysteriously. It's not mysterious. There were so many nasty things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she died of like 12 different diseases. Yeah. <laughs> Shouldn't eat her. Yep, she probably ate something and then it poisoned the piglets that were nursing. Mm-hmm. In a strange twist of fate, even though he did not testify in her trial, Lion Gardner, the deceased father, as I said before, was a respected member of the community and held a lot of sway in public opinion. It was, quote, creditably reported by a local authority that Mrs. Garlic had been employed in the family of Captain Lion Gardner and that another woman in the same employ had accused Mrs. Garlic of causing the death of her child. According to Captain Gardner, the woman who had been a witness against Mrs. Garlic had taken an Indian child to nurse and starved her own child to death for the sake of the pay she was to receive for supporting the Indian child, end quote. Mm. Gardner's claims were backed up by Jeremiah Vale, a man who used to be employed by Gardner and who lived next to the Garlics. He testified that Gardner had shared with him that, quote, Goody Davis had taken an Indian child to nurse and for a looker of a little wampum had merely starved her own child, end quote. Uh, how dare she care for another, another child? Yeah. Yeah. They sound really, I mean, they sound like trash, these yep. people, for like helping mill food and... <laughs> Yeah, you no, know, caring for their children and trying yep. to be not like doctors. Yep. yep, sounds pretty terrible. Yep, Goody Garlic did not speak in her own defense. Mm-hmm. Joshua Garlic wasn't going to take his wife's arrest lying down. He quickly filed mm-hmm. a defamation suit against Goody Davis on behalf of his wife upon the case against the wife of Falk Davis. Even though there are records of this defamation suit being entered. There is no record of an actual defamation trial taking place. Okay. According to the Annals of Witchcraft in New England, Goody Garlic was, quote, brought before the town court on suspicion of witchcraft, and a number of witnesses were examined in support of the charge. The magistrates, after hearing the testimony and not being skilled in the science of demonology, concluded to send the accused to the General Court of Connecticut, in which the occult doctrine would properly be more safely applied. 
Goody Garlic was accordingly sent to Hartford, Connecticut, and the general court took the following action upon her case at the May term, 1658. East Hampton was then within the jurisdiction of the colony of Connecticut, having been formally annexed at this court, end quote. So as the quote states, the local magistrates couldn't come to an agreement on what they should do. Yeah. So instead, they sent the case to Hartford, Connecticut, where Goody Garlic was to be tried for witchcraft. It's kind of like going from local court to like the Supreme Court, yes. like the state courts. Yep. So okay. her trial started on May 5th, 1658, almost three months after Elizabeth Gardner Howell's death. Goody Garlic's indictment read as follows. Quote, Thou art indicted by the name of Elizabeth Garlic, the wife of Joshua Garlic of East Hampton, that not having the fear of God before thine eyes, thou hast entertained familiarity with Satan, the great enemy of God and mankind, and by his help, since the year 1650, hath done works above the course of nature to the loss of lives of several persons with several other sorceries, and in particular the wife of Arthur Howell of East Hampton, for which both according to the laws of God and the established law of this commonwealth, thou deservest to die, end quote. Awesome. Even though her indictment sounds like a death sentence, you may be surprised to learn that she was actually found not guilty by the jury, which was presided over by John Withrop Jr., the then governor of Connecticut Colony. However, the judgment was terse, quote, the jury doth not find Elizabeth, the wife of Joshua Garlic, guilty according to the indictment, end quote. Oh, they just had to say that, didn't they? Yep. John Winthrop Jr. was, was quoted as saying, quote, We don't find enough evidence to find her guilty, mm. but you were right to suspect her. End quote. That bitch. <laughs> the significance of having John w Winthrop Jr. as her judge stems from the fact that the governor was an alchemist and scientist who held more enlightened views on witchcraft than many others at the time. Oh, did he? Not to mention he was the son of the co-founder of the Massachusetts Bay Colony. So he was kind of a big deal. Sounds like it. Winthrop also presided over the case in a way that imbued logic into these cases of supposed witchcraft, of which he would preside over several in the next decade with the Salem Witch Trials. His method was to see if there was any way the accused could perform mm. the kinds of magical acts that witches were said to be able to perform. Okay. Even in cases where the woman was cleared of being a witch, which was still a capital offense at this time that would see you burned at the stake if you were guilty, he would strongly encourage the accused to try and change their personality to fit with social norms of the day so that they wouldn't be accused of witchcraft a second time. Aww, that's really sad. <laughs> Stop being weird. <laughs> yeah. Aww. So she wasn't convicted just because there wasn't enough evidence to prove she was a witch, but mm -hmm. she also wasn't acquitted. In fact, Joshua had to post bond to ensure that she would behave. Wow. And he would potentially have some money to do that, but not, they're still middle class. Yeah. So I bet that was really hard. Yep. Upon her release from jail and her return to East Hampton, she returned with a letter to the town authorities that states as follows. Quote, in the case of Goodwife Garlic, having passed a legal trial thereupon, whereupon, though there did not appear sufficient evidence to prove her guilty, yet we cannot but well approve and commend the Christian care and prudence of those in authority with you in searching into the case. Also, we think no. good to certify that it is desired and expected by this court that you should carry neighborly and peaceably without just offense to Joshua Garlic and his wife, and that they should do the like to you. And the charge we conceive and advise may be justly borne as followeth. 
that Joshua Garlick should bear the charge of his wife's diet and ward at home with the charge of her transportation hither and return home, that your town should bear all their own charges at home and the charge of their messengers and witnesses in bringing the case to trial here and their return home, the court being content to put the charge of the trial here upon the country's account, end quote. So basically the town had to foot the bill Mm -hmm. for their trial there. They're like wasting their time. (laughs) But it was also expected of them to treat her and Joshua with the same kindness they would want to be treated with. So do the Christian thing. I thought that was interesting. Yep. That they were like, they're not criminals. You can't treat them as such. Yep. we, We decided that they're not. Yep. So the thing about the diet and ward at home, I had to look that up because I... Is that like house arrest, essentially? That's what it sounds like. Like, she can't, she can't leave. Well, it didn't make any sense to me. So in this context, it means the public assembly or set day of trial. So in essence, he was responsible for paying her court costs and whatever charges she incurred while she was incarcerated in addition to posting her bond. So it didn't mean she was under house arrest or anything. It just meant that he was responsible for the care that they provided while she was in their care. Yes. It's like paying a hospital bill. (laughs) Pretty much. Yeah. Yeah. So Goody Garlic's case is one of the few that ended happily. At least four recorded hangings had taken place in Connecticut prior to her trial. Yeah, I bet that didn't sit well with her. Yep. Knowing that. It helped that she was accompanied by several men when she was sent to Hartford for trial, including her husband, Joshua, who knew Governor Winthrop, as well as Lyon Gardner, who went to ensure that East Hampton still fell under Connecticut's jurisdiction. So being in the company of such powerful men would definitely aid in pleading her case. I think it's interesting that the person that accused her, her dad, was still on her side. Mm -hmm. So that really makes me wonder if, like, what the relationship was with the daughter and um, her husband and like kind of what went her dad. Yeah. Well, cause he knew them because he had worked with he her husband. Yeah. They picked them to be on the Island. Like that would be a huge deal. Yeah. So he, yeah, he knew these people. So he knew her character. And when it comes to Elizabeth Howell herself, so the woman who died, mm-hmm. it's very likely that she had developed what was known as childbed fever or puerperal fever, which is a uterine infection that can develop following childbirth that causes septicemia. Oh, she had sepsis. She had sepsis. Oh, God, that's such a horrible way to die. Such a disease oh. wouldn't have been easy to diagnose or treat in the 17th century. It's still not. It's yeah. still not treatable like well at all. It's yeah. one of the most common ways to die in a hospital. Sepsis. Yeah. So oh, awful. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I bet like well, and who knows too with like all the foods and stuff that you would eat. Like they had no idea like what's hallucinogenic. Mm-hmm. They're trying to give her something to make her feel better with like a fever and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And if she had any ill will towards either one of them like of course your hallucinations would hyper focus on that and you would panic that the person that supposedly helped bring your baby is trying to kill you mm-hmm. because you weren't sick before yep. that so it all makes sense like it's just it's such a shame because how much of goody garlic's life was just in shambles because of what like a few days mm-hmm. of her be of her having sepsis. Yep. Oh, sepsis. Oh, that's so terrible. I feel bad. 
Even though Goody Garlic's trial took place around 35 years before the infamous Salem witch trials, she is noted as one of the few women to ever be found not guilty of witchcraft in New England. That's crazy. Many historians believe that the trial of Goody Garlic was a means to establish a pecking order in the small town, a town where people Mm. traveled to better themselves after leaving England, but instead began to turn on one another. Well, that doesn't happen. No. No. Mm -mm. And apparently the one East Hamptonite who experienced the most disappointment with their move was Mrs. Falk Davis. It sounds like it. (laughs) Yeah. She sounded pretty angry about a lot of stuff. Yep. Following her trial, Joshua died 42 years later on March 7, 1700. There is no known death date for Elizabeth Garlic, but it's believed that she lived for almost another 50 years, well into her 90s. Wow. It's believed that both she and her husband are buried at the South End Cemetery in East Hampton. And that bitch Goody Davis <laughs> apparently died shortly after Goody Garlic's trial in Hartford. Okay. Was she significantly older or was she about the same age? I have no idea. I couldn't really find anything about her. Okay. Other than she was a bitch. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it sounds like it. I just... So that's the story of Goody Garlic. That was relatively harmless. Mm -hmm. It's just interesting that she was acquitted of witchcraft. Yeah. That was super rare. Mm Mm-hmm. Especially since she was technically accused by the highest family in in the town, but she was also best friends with the highest family in the town. Yeah. So it was like a weird situation. It makes me wonder what the relationship was with the daughter and her own family. If Mm. like it was strained at all, or if they just knew that she was super sick and like was probably hallucinating because you never really know, like, they take all those hallucinations at face value, mm-hmm. typically in that time. Yeah. Could you imagine, like, you just, met, like, actually believing that your dreams and stuff were real mm-hmm. and that they happened? Well, if that was the case, then uh, the dream I had the other night of being a marketing person at a hotel in New York City and being able to personally escort Tom Hiddleston around for a while <laughs> would have been great. Well, if that was the case, I would have died like 8 million times by falling off a like invisible cliff too. Yeah. Like, you know, those dreams. Yes. You just like wake up before you hit the ground. And you're like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> I've also had a lot of those. So yeah. Yeah. You like fall a wily coyote style off a cliff uh-huh. and <laughs> you don't even know where the cliff came from. No, it's just like, it's like your brain ran out of ideas and it's like, <laughs> oh, you're dead now. <laughs> Bye. It was like you reached the end of the end of the world, the edge of the world. Yeah, this is like the worst ride ever. It's like, bye-bye. Hey, everybody. This is Sean Ventura, the host of True Crime Freaks, a new podcast. I explore some really unbelievable cases on this podcast, such as the disappearance of Heather Elvis, the Hollywood Ripper who killed Ashton Kutcher's date, and the Twitter killer who's a serial killer from Japan. Check out True Crime Freaks today and let us know what you think. Subscribe, rate, and review. Thanks, everybody. So this week's podcast plug is the True Crime Freaks podcast by Sean Ventura. He's always been kind of a fan of true crime because he used to watch like Mm -hmm. Dateline and Unsolved Mysteries. Uh, Who hasn't? Right. Welcome to the club. 
Yep. So he started this podcast to kind of talk about the cases that really kind of interested him. Mm-hmm. He's talked about cases such as the serial killer, Anthony Garcia, mm-hmm. who they believe killed four people after he lost his job. I mean, that's like most people drink. Like why? Yeah. <laughs> like, eat chips. I don't know. <laughs> yep. He covers the case of the Twitter killer. Ooh. Of course, the Night Stalker. So he goes through like yep. the Netflix series and talks about it. You know, the infamous Elisa Lamb case, mm-hmm. the Hollywood Ripper. So if you're interested in any of those cases, I would definitely give True Crime Freaks a listen. And we'll have a link to his podcast in the show notes. All right. And this week's listener question is from Alex and Christy of the Weird Distractions podcast. Okay. And they want to know, what is one time period you would hate to be teleported to and why? I mean, like essentially anything before 1950. (laughs) I mean, like 1950 might suck too. I don't know. Like, I'm pretty good here. I... I feel like even though things aren't perfect, I'm not accused of being a witch Mm -hmm. or like I make a pretty decent wage. Some people sometimes listen to me. Even though you're a woman. Yeah. But like being a woman is is pretty it's better than it's ever been (laughs) here. So unless I could be like guaranteed to be like whisked away to like an incredible indigenous tribe where like they have matriarchies and they actually listen to women and respect them. Mm-hmm. I'm good. I mean, I'll just hang out here. <laughs> like, I don't need to go anywhere else. Cause it was all, it all, it's all it not super great. Yep. That's fair. What about you? I think the one time period that I would for sure not want to go back to would be when the black plague was a big thing. No, thank you. Yeah. That would be pretty bad. You'd get there and you'd be like, and death. <laughs> yep. This <laughs> was fun. I am instantly dead. <laughs> Ring around the rosy, pocket full of posies. So yeah, I think we're in agreement. That, yeah. uh, <laughs> it's all bad. <laughs> it's all bad. I mean, I think it would be interesting to go back to the Victorian era for a little bit. Like when they when uh, spiritualism was a thing. That would be interesting. I wouldn't mind going back then to kind of check out how they did their seances and mm-hmm. stuff like that. That might be kind of fascinating. Yeah. I wouldn't want to stay there, but it'd be no. fun to like <laughs> visit and yeah. see what happened. So uh, what's something good you'd like to share this week? Um, Something good. I actually was able to see one of my friends. We were able to like distantly hang out and she like, <laughs> so we're both very cheesy and we like getting each other things. So I bought her like a jelly bean gun and some flowers. And then she bought me this like really beautiful reusable Starbucks cup that was like $3. It's got little coffee beans on it. And I'm now in a place like in Wisconsin where like there aren't a lot of coffee shops and like stuff like that to to get things like this so I just really it just really made me happy it was really nice to see her and it was really nice to kind of experience the city life that I don't have currently Mm -hmm. and it was also very interesting to kind of see the state of Minneapolis like downtown and Mm -hmm. see the changes Mm -hmm. it's gonna be a long few months yep but I just really like the fact that like 
So I don't know if you know this, but on the fences downtown, people were putting like flowers and stuff on it and they get taken down every night. What? Yeah. Yeah, I know. But um, I love the fact that like, even though they get taken down, people are still going down there every single day and putting flowers down. That's like, cool. regardless. And I know that my friend is going to go do that very soon. Just go down there and sit some flowers. And yeah, it was nice. just nice. And it, it was super nice yesterday, too. It was like 60 degrees. So we like went for yeah. a walk and it was just nice to be outside and have good coffee. And mm-hmm. so nice. what about you? It was a good thing. So I haven't been shy about admitting and talking about like my depression, you know, and how I've been struggling with it, especially during COVID. But on, was it Friday night that I texted you? Mm-hmm. So on Friday night, out of the blue, I cleaned my shower, which this is going to sound really gross to people who are like super into cleaning, but I hadn't cleaned my shower in like a year since like before COVID started. So it was yeah. pretty much orange. Hard water. Hard water. Like earlier in the day on Friday, we had run errands to Target and I had picked up a new shower curtain because we'd had the same shower curtain since like our first apartment. So the Mm -hmm. shower curtain was like 18 years old. I could have sent it off to college. (laughs) I mean, honestly, that's a little impressive that you had it that long. Like I I replace my shower curtains at least once a year. I, I, I get them at Dollar Tree, but. Well, I mean, like, obviously I replace the, like, plastic lighters inside on a regular basis. Oh, you mean like you had a nice outside one and you finally replaced that? Yes. Yes. A lot of people don't replace those. I can see that being a thing. Yeah. Like, you know, we just bought it at our first apartment and... Liked it and kept it. Liked it and kept it and it just moved with us whenever we moved to a new house. And... I was thinking about it the other day and I was like, you know what? I want a new one. I'm tired of looking at the blue stripes that I have on this curtain. So I bought a fun one that has like succulents and cactuses and stuff on the bottom of it. Nice. And I bought new shower rings because the ones that I had were plastic and they had, you know, um, mildew growing on them and stuff. And so I was like, I'm just going to toss them. And I bought a new bath mat. So I cleaned my... So I basically cleaned half half my bathroom. I still have to do the floor and wipe down the sink again, which I have been wiping down the sink every like three months or so, but still I should be doing it more regularly. So that was a big yeah. deal for me. That's awesome. I sent a picture of it after I like bleached it and scrubbed it down and stuff. And I sent it to my husband. And he's like, oh my God. <laughs> he's like, I forgot what it looked like, you know? Mm-hmm. So that was a big deal. That's really awesome. Like... Cleaning it's in itself without depression <laughs> can be really daunting, especially hardcore cleaning like that. It takes a lot of motivation and you have to keep on. The fact that you did that also, like when it was a nice day mm-hmm. and instead of going outside, you decided to fix something that you use every day. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that'll really help just being in a nice, clean shower. Yep. And I've been keeping up with it because... When I took a shower, like the day after, I had, of course, gotten, you know, like shampoo along the wall. Mm -hmm. And I was like, not today. And I like wiped it off so it wouldn't like leave the stain after it dried onto it and stuff. So Mm -hmm. let's shut her down. Okay. 
You can find us online at yieldcrimepodcast.com. We're also on Twitter at yieldcrimepod and on Instagram at yieldcrimepodcast. You can also find us on YouTube by searching for yieldcrimepodcast. You can send us something to our P.O. box. We actually had an Instagram Live video that was super awkward because I don't know how to use Instagram Live. And I basically stared at the screen for a full minute like a goober. But uh, we got our first bit of mail the other day so we did an instagram live video opening it and you can write to us at yield crime podcast p.o box 341 wyoming minnesota 55092 send us haunted things no yes well i suppose it's going to your house so like whatever you want <laughs> i'll just drop it off at your place no Be like happy birthday early how dare you <laughs> you can also email us yieldcrimepodcast at gmail.com, which would be a great way for you to send us your reviews for our giveaway contest that we're having right now in the month of March. Mm-hmm. Leave us a five-star rating and review and send us a screenshot to be entered into our giveaway for an amazing prize pack of merch with an exclusive design that won't be available mm-hmm. in the store. The contest runs through March 31st. And we'll announce the winner on social. And speaking of reviews, here's a five-star review from our friend Brie Poe Benjamin. And she says, very awesome. I love how they set the stage. And I love how you bring up the past crimes we don't hear about so often. So thank you, Brie. Yeah. If you would like to support the show financially, you can do so on Buy Me a Coffee and leave us a one-time donation. Or you could also get something in return by becoming a patron on our Patreon for Mm -hmm. as low as a dollar a month. You can join other patrons such as Rebecca and Aaron who are already enjoying great benefits such as bonus video content, links to guest episodes we've recorded, and lots of other fun stuff. You can also purchase merch on our TeePublic store. The next sale will be next week so we will include that in the our closer next week mm-hmm. and on that note as always i'm Lindsay, and i'm madison and we'll see you next time with another tale as old as crime <laughs>